Acts 29 is committed to producing quality content that exalts Christ and encourages church planters and church leaders. And if you enjoy listening each week to the Acts 29 podcast, I want to invite you to support the work of Acts 29 so we can plant healthy, multiplying churches all around the world. So I want to invite you to partner with us, and you can do that today by going to acts29.com slash give. It's very easy, acts29.com slash give. And I hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to the X29 Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Metters. The Greek philosopher Heraclitus said that change is the only constant in life. Well, I think it's safe to say that we've all experienced that exhausting reality over the past two years, no matter where you live in the world. We have all felt the change with this global pandemic, and even without a global pandemic, the pressure of constant change just seems amplified throughout our lives, especially if you serve in the local church. And, and pastors and their families often struggle with decision fatigue and burnout. So how do we walk forward in contentment and trusting God, the, the true constant in our life, in all of these changing circumstances? And how do we walk by faith even when we don't know what's coming next? Well, this is why Jen Oshman joins me on the podcast today to discuss contentment in life's changes. You know, Jen has been a missionary and a pastor's wife for over two decades on three continents, and she's also a writer, a speaker, a podcaster, and an author of Enough About Me, published by Crossway, and also coming soon, Cultural Counterfeits, confronting five empty promises of our age and how we were made for so much more. Jen and her husband, Mark, now live in Colorado, where they planted Redemption Parker, who is a part of Acts 29. Well, Jen, welcome to the Acts 29 podcast. Hey, Jeff. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Well, Jen, why don't you tell us uh, how you became a Christian? I always hear from people that they love to hear the testimonies and conversion stories of God's grace in people's lives. So tell us how you became a Christian and what led you and your husband into missions and church planning. Yeah, you know, I feel like my testimony is unusual. Um, frequently, people assume that myself and my husband grew up in Christian homes, but the truth is neither one of us did. We both um, grew up home, grew up in homes without Jesus. My parents got divorced when I was eight, and just after that, my mom started taking me to a nearby church. And in God's providence, it was a good church. They preached the Bible, and I heard the gospel. And so I made a profession of faith when I was 10 years old and even asked to be baptized at that church. So I just praise God for intervening yeah. at that young age and allowing me to come to know him. Um, but my teen years were marked really by confusion and worldliness. I can't say that I followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Um, I did not. So Mark and I actually have a pretty hilarious story of meeting. Uh, we actually met in a club, no lie, which is super oh embarrassing. Um <laughs> 25 years ago, we met in a club and, um, yeah, for which I had a fake ID to get into. So I hope that my testimony is, um, one of hope and help to parents because the truth is God reached down and rescued me out of crazy circumstances. And the same is true for my husband. And so my freshman year of college, the Lord just really pursued me tenaciously and I could not find hope or satisfaction or peace or joy outside of him. Finally, fully surrendered to Jesus and just 
asked him to be not only my savior, but my Lord and um, to just have, you know, the total control over my life. And so it was at that time where um, I sensed a call into full-time ministry. So starting at about the age of 18 and um, my husband too sensed a call into ministry. And so we actually married very young, got married when I was still in college, went, we uh, went to seminary, he finished, and then we went overseas to the mission field. I was really young, like, I don't know, 22 or something when we hit the mission field. I just thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me. <laughs> yeah, amen. Absolutely. So so you guys went into the mission field, and earlier I read at the top of the show that you guys were on three continents. Uh, so where have you served the Lord overseas, and, and kind of what are you doing now? Yeah, we started in Okinawa, Japan, where Mark pastored a church for American service members serving overseas. So we lived a very Japanese life, you know, like went to the Japanese doctor and um, grocery stores and Japanese taxes and all of that. But our church and our ministry was to American service members. That was a huge joy, um, serving people in the Air Force, the Army, the Marine Corps. I mean, just a gift. Those years were awesome. We had more babies, adopted another one. Um, and they were just formative, beautiful years. And uh, really, I mean, kind of the best years of our life, I would say. Just a delight to be serving in that way. Um, now, things kind of took a turn. Um, after we'd been serving there for about a decade, my husband's mom was diagnosed with ALS. And what was particularly alarming about that is that her father had passed away from ALS. And so through some conversations with um, doctors, we realized that it's possible that that ALS gene will find its way into our family as well and might you know, potentially be something that my husband suffers from and that our children suffer from. Um, and so it was at that point in our mid to late 30s where Mark and I looked at each other and said, you know, like if this life's going to be shorter than we think it's going to be, what, what do we want to get done? And Mark had always had a drive and a desire to preach Christ in the Czech Republic. Um, he went there in, high, in college for a semester, and it is, um, it's up there in the top three of the world's most atheist nations. So incredibly spiritually dark, less than one half of 1% professed Christ in the Czech Republic. And so we made a drastic transition as a family just saying, we don't know what tomorrow holds, let's go. And so we moved from serving Americans in Japan to um, implanting ourselves in a Czech village and learning the Czech language, sending our kids to Czech school and partnering with a Czech church. Um, and we were there for a few years and, or two years, almost exactly two years, when we got the call that my dad really needed some attention. Um, as I said earlier, my parents are divorced and my dad was languishing from Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, and really in a very isolated context, nobody to care for him at all. And so we made the tough decision. We envisioned, you know, planting this church in the Czech Republic and, and living and dying there. We thought we would be there forever. Um, but it felt very, you know, premature in our journey, um, realized that the Lord was asking us to come home and care for my dad. So we made that transition um, six years ago, um, just about two weeks ago was our six year anniversary of moving back to the US. We came back to our um, native state of Colorado and began to care for my dad. And um, as that sort of unfolded, we started having uh, people in our home for Bible study and dinner. And that grew. New friends and old friends alike joined us. And that is how Redemption Parker was born. And uh, the church will turn five in February of next year. It's amazing, amazing story. I, I'd, I'd love to ask too, kind of how did you guys hear about X29? What led you to, to partner with X29? Yeah, you know, being overseas, we 
didn't really have much access to Acts 29. You know, we were on a tropical island in Okinawa and then over in Europe. And so on an island in many senses of the word. Um, and we saw from afar, you know, kind of the network growing. We really appreciated some of the voices that we were hearing of various Acts 29 pastors and leaders, um, but I didn't have the chance to be very involved. So when we moved back to the U.S. and we started actually looking for a church to go to, we knew a number of Acts 29 pastors. So we trusted the net, you know, the name of the network and um, started looking that way. And what we found is that this city, Parker, where the Lord called us back to take care of my dad, there were no Acts 29 churches within about a 30 to 40 minute drive of Parker. And so loving just the duality that we sensed in Acts 29 of being um, a very biblically rich, theologically sound network, but also a very gospel driven and missional, you know, missions is our heartbeat. So we wanted to be part of a church that was missions driven. Um, and so seeing, you know, there are so many good churches in our community and I would, I would never say otherwise, and I'm grateful for them, but just seeing that there was space for a, a church that would preach Christ and also be focused on those who don't yet know him, um, we just felt led like the Lord was like, here's, here's some space and you are church planters by nature. It's what I've called you to do elsewhere. Um, why don't you do that right here? And so the network has been a huge gift to us. We're so, so thankful for the support we received over the last six years from Acts 29. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who know that man change can be very difficult. Change can change is almost one of the words that we don't want to hear. Um, that mm-hmm. we want to avoid it and all that, but it really is often unavoidable. And a part of your story with you and Mark is there has been lots of change, uh, just where you lived, life stages, kinds of ministries, all that. So how has change encouraged you and, and your family to to continue to learn to walk by faith? I mean, I think that change and faith are synonymous. Like how do you do one without the other? Um, the, you know, the definition of change is you're going to have to walk by faith. You're going to walk into what is unseen. You're going to walk into what is unknown. And so I think we have to ask ourselves as followers of Jesus, do we take God at his word or do we not? You know, is he who he says he is or is he not? And I think he's asking us to, to believe without seeing Uh, sometimes in our circumstances, that he is the God that he says he is. And what I have noticed is that each time we have stepped out in faith, it has been like a ripple effect. It has increased our willingness to step out in faith the next time and maybe into scarier circumstances, harder circumstances, because we found him to be faithful. He proved himself to be good and trustworthy and sovereign and true. And so because of that track record in our history, we can step further into the unknown the next time around. And so it's like a muscle, I think, that you have to grow. You know, it's not something that's automatic. Um, You know, it's a choice you have to make, black or white sort of, do you trust him or not? And if you say, I do, then you grow this muscle and um, and he's, he's faithful to produce that growth. You know, you shared earlier about being, you know, unexpectedly called off of the mission field in 2015 to go and care for your father. Um, that's a big change to navigate. And I, I wonder if some people wrestle with the idea of, you know, well, I felt called, obviously you Mark, probably felt called to go to the mission field and then you were called back to come and care for family and God opened up new ministries and, and other things. And so how, how should people understand to, you know, navigate the understanding of calling in the midst of these changing circumstances of life? 
Right. I'm sure so many people listening, because I think it's kind of a universal experience that you are sure you're called to one thing. And then either that thing is not what you thought it was, or you are just as soon called away from it. So for us, um, just being two years into the church planting process in the Czech Republic, in clearly a context that needed more Christians and needed a gospel witness to have the Lord reveal to us this need back in the U.S., that really only our family could meet um, was really unsettling. And for our whole family, it was just incredibly tumultuous. You know, it was, it was just an act of obedience. I have to confess that it really was not an act of joy. Um, I did not have a vibrant relationship with my father. And so it wasn't like the returning of a daughter to a situation that um, was warm and cozy. You know, it was like, it was an act of obedience that I wish I could say I handled more graciously, you know, but it was just simply hard. It was just putting one foot in front of another. Um, And when we got back here, to be honest and raw, again, like we went through a bit of an identity crisis. Like we had to say, is our identity that we are overseas missionaries or is our identity that we are children rescued and redeemed by God and he can do as he pleases And so I feel like it was months, if not years, if not, maybe I'm still working this out in my own heart and soul, but I had to place my identity firmly in my unchanging and gracious and good father in heaven and not my identity in what I perceived to be the work that I was doing on his behalf. And I think for all of us in ministry, it can so quickly become our identity. It can so quickly become our idol. And that did happen um, to us and definitely happened to me. And um, so it was a pruning for sure, a pruning process of the Lord as he brought us back here and said, you know, you are mine, you are dearly loved, and I will be glorified in you in a context that you just didn't see coming. Um, and I think Mark and I are a little bit unusual in that, and we've always said this, and I think it strikes ministry ears as a little bit strange. Um, we have never felt called to a people. Like we did not necessarily feel called to the military community or to the Czech people or to the people of Parker, Colorado. It's been for us more an experience of this is where the opportunity presented itself. Mm. This is where the, um, you know, church leaders said, here is a space where I think you fit well. Would you be willing to go? And we did. Um, And so, you know, we're in Parker where God has clearly brought us, but not necessarily because we said, you know, we looked at a map and said, Parker is it. It was right, like, no, right. the Lord was like, you're going to Parker. And we're like, okay, we're called to Parker. That's then we're called. We're called to this place and this people. And that's where we will pour ourselves out. Does that make sense? Oh, Can absolutely. you relate to that, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it makes me think of a couple of different things in the book of Acts where Paul says, you know, I wanted to go to Asia, uh, but there was a, there wasn't a door there. It actually, so Satan hindered us from going. But then he says other places that there was a wide door of effective ministry opened, um, and then God led them to other places. And then you see other accounts where you know he has a vision from a man from Macedonia saying, "Come and help us." And so it wasn't like Paul was laying there going, "Man, I've I've just been burning in my heart to go to Macedonia." It's God opened the door and through a vision through the guy telling him, "Come to Macedonia." So all right. Well, let's go to Macedonia then. And I think that is how a lot of ministry happens. We have ideas. We're all called to serve the Lord and and we want to do stuff for him. But sometimes we don't know what or where or when and how. 
and then doors opened, uh, relationships are formed, uh, emails are received, uh, phone calls are made. And before you know it, you're in Parker, Colorado. And before you know it, you're, you know, planting in the New England. Uh, you, you just never know. And I'm just always so I was telling some X29 pastors this week. Uh, we had lunch and here in Houston and I told them, you know, Ephesians 2.10 is true that there are good works that Christ has prepared for us to walk in and we will walk in them. They're unavoidable. I and mean, there are things 20 years from now that you and Mark will do, that I will do, that it's, it is just guaranteed to happen because of his sovereign mercy. And sometimes we can get all worked up about, well, I want to do this. I feel drawn to this. I feel called to that. God may use and work through those things, but we can rest assured at night going, it's unavoidable for me to walk in the good works that Jesus has already prepared for me to walk in. And I can't wait mm-hmm. to walk into them. Yes, I think that is so incredibly comforting. You know, God's will will not be thwarted. He He drew me to himself before the foundations of the earth. You know, it's nothing that I have done. And as you said, those good works were prepared in advance for us to do. And I just think that's such a relief. Um, one other sort of funny part of the story that I left out is that um, part of my childhood after my parents were divorced took place in Parker. And I mean, what's not funny is that this was the location of a lot of darkness and abuse and despair in my life as a child. And so when I was in the Czech Republic and the Lord was starting to make it clear that he wanted us to come back here, I was very clear with him and just said like, anywhere but Parker, Lord, I will go anywhere but there. And that's exactly where he brought us. And so what is remarkable to me though, is that God is bringing life from death, even in my own life on this very soil, you know, soil that once was hard and cold and rocky is now fertile. And he is using my family to proclaim him, to draw others to him by saving, you know, in saving faith by grace. And um, it's a joy and it's a story of redemption and renewal and one that I have to say that I have frequently been stubborn or dragging my feet through, Mm -hmm. um, But as you have pointed out, he reigns and he is sovereign and he is good and he will have his way. And his way is to bring life from death. And that's what he's doing right before my eyes. And I'm so humbled by that. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, you know, Eugene Peterson talks about how in our, in the Christian life, that's, there's always crucifixions and there's resurrections, there's death and then there's life. Uh, And that's so true in your story, my story, everyone listening, it's, this is true in our stories. And, you know, I wonder if you could really help us. I mean, I, I don't wonder if you could help us. I know you could help us. So help us if we're wondering about how our identity in Christ, as you talked about a little earlier, how that does interact with contentment. And mm. how do we foster contentment from knowing our union with Christ in, in the midst of change? Yeah, I think one of the most beautiful and helpful and worship-inducing things about our God is that he does not change. His character is steadfast and true and good, and it, it will he will never deviate from that. So we can look back to the cross and see that our God is willing to go to every length to reconcile us to himself. We can look back to his word and see his character and see how he has proven himself time and time again. And so those realities can sort of undergird our faith today. We know who he was in the past. We know who he is today, and we know, therefore, who he will be in the future. And so we really have to root ourselves in the reality, the character, the nature of who our God is, because 
Christ does not change, but our circumstances do. And so if we root ourselves in our circumstances, we will be a wave of the sea. We will be blown and tossed about and um, life will not go well for us. We will, we will rise and fall with the highlights and lowlights of life and ministry. And so it's no, no wonder that the scriptures call us to fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And Paul says, you know, he has learned to be content in all circumstances because Paul abided in Jesus. Paul, um, he, he drew the, his, the strength of his relationship from with the Lord from the Lord. You know, like it's the object of his faith, not the size of his faith, but the unmoving object of his faith, who is Jesus. And, um, Jesus didn't change whether Paul was shipwrecked or enjoying, enjoying an abundant feast. And so for us in 2021, we have to do the same thing. Like no matter what's going on in my church or my family or my own soul, the object of my faith is Jesus, not how I feel and not what's going on around me. Um, and these are just the truths of God's word that you and I have to rehearse and repeat to ourselves because we are prone to wander and our flesh is weak and we, we lie to ourselves sometimes. And so we we just have to return to those simple truths. Yeah, that's so helpful. I, I just, I couldn't help but think about the book of James as you were talking where, you know, James says that there is no variation of change or shifting shadow with him that he is the same and that every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights and he doesn't change. So it comes from now we, the, everything will around us, everything around us will change, but he doesn't, his goodness, his love, his mercy, it, it's all his character, his thoughts of us. Uh, they are un, unchanged. And I thought of two, you know, at the end, I think it's the end of second Timothy where Paul says, he says a variety of things to Timothy. He says, you know, watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. He did me great harm. So that's change uh, in Paul's kind of life that he, he was doing okay. Alexander the coppersmith did him great harm. That's a change that ministry will bring about us. People will do us harm. We'll have heartaches. And then he says, uh, everyone abandoned me. No one stood by me. Um, so then he had friends that abandoned him. Uh, that's another level of change. And then he says, but the Lord stood by me. No change, constant, steady, the same. And, you know, you see, I, maybe you see this too. I see lots of articles and stuff on social media in, called The Great Resignation. And some of them are word plays and stuff, but they're talking, some of them are talking about how tons of people are leaving jobs. I mean, there's articles coming out about more pastors are thinking about resigning, um, going into different jobs altogether, uh, maybe leaving the ministry or taking a different position in a local church. Um, so there are big changes coming in lots of people's lives. And I just want to encourage every brother, um, every pastor, every pastor's wife that's listening is if you do experience some kind of cataclysmic change in your life, there is life after that. There is, it, you will not, your, your joy shouldn't change if you don't have pastor and so-and-so in your email signature. There, there is still life in Christ. That's, that's one of my favorite titles of who Jesus is in the book of Colossians. Because, you know, we, we know Jesus as uh, the first and the last, Alpha and Omega, the wonderful counselor, all these different titles of Christ. But I love in Colossians where Paul says, uh, when Christ, comma, who is your life, comma, appears, you will appear with him in glory. That Christ who is your life, that that's how we should think about him. He is my life. He is my life. Man, there's so much contentment that can be found there. 
so much stability, so much strength, so much encouragement. And so I know sometimes it, it can sound trite, but it's not at all. It's like, yeah, keep looking to Christ. Keep talking to him. Keep, keep praying to him. Keep walking with him. That's what we need. Yeah, I could not agree more. I And I agree with you. Like sometimes you feel like, gosh, does this sound trite? But the truth is this is the bedrock of our faith. Our God is unchanging and we are hidden in him. And I find that to be such a relief because I do sin and I do mess this up and I don't do this the right way on a daily basis. And I'm so relieved that when the father sees me, he sees his son and that Jesus has exchanged his righteousness um, with me for my sin. Um, The gospel is so good and it never stops being good. And I love the encouragement that you have shared with pastors and other other members of staff, church staff, and people who are leading ministry, because these have been hard years. But as you say, we are hidden in Christ, and that's such good news. Yeah, amen. So, Jen, help us with um, pastors and, and their families. You know, h- how do you think being a part of Acts 29 has helped you and Mark and, and others throughout the years to continue to delight in Christ? I so hope that everybody listening who's involved with Acts 29 is really plugged into the network. Um, I know that our experience is a little bit unique and that we've only been around for six years. And I know that Acts 29 has definitely changed significantly over its lifetime. And I'm grateful for the Lord's work in those ways. Um, But when we came on the scene six years ago and joined the network, I think we joined after we actually planted. So I think we joined Acts 29 four years ago and our church is about to turn five. Um, But as we joined we have just been showered with support in our community. And a lot of that is due to just the stellar people in our state. You know, we have Mark Halleck, who has to be the most encouraging pastor on the entire planet. He's right here in the area. So he's been a huge gift to us. And Kirsten Black, who um, heads up, you know, women's um, just support for pastors' wives in the network. She's right here as well and has been so supportive of me. Um, But I imagine that might not be the case throughout the network. I think, you know, I hear that people are sometimes isolated and that grieves me because that should not be the case. And so um, just speaking from our experience, which I I hope would replicate itself, we truly, no no exaggeration, I mean, text, email, call, get together with other Acts 29 pastors and wives almost daily. I mean, not get together, obviously, but we're texting, we're Marco Poloing, you know, all the time, having lunch, you know, a couple times a month, getting together, all of us a few times a year. Um, And that's such a safe place. I think that for me, that is the the best thing about meeting with those women and those couples is it's a safe place for me to be really honest about how things have felt and what it's been like going through what we've all gone through recently. And it hits them the same way. And we can it's huge. It's huge. No, we can just remind each other of what's true and we can hear what's been hard and extend a ton of compassion and empathy and also remind each other of what's true about who God is and everything you and I have rehearsed on this podcast episode so far about just his goodness. Um, but we, we would be really hurting if it weren't for the network and for those gatherings. Um, and so, you know, it's so, it's so good. And I pray that anybody who's feels isolated, but they would reach out, like be the one who makes that phone call, be the one who sends that email and says, Hey, I know we haven't gotten together lately or ever, but how about we get together and have lunch and pray and, um, and watch God use that in a crazy way. Yes. I, c- I couldn't agree more. I, 
I think about my life and the brothers in my life, other pastors and, and their wives and my wife, and just how encouraging they have been in some like really discouraging moments to be there and to help bear your burdens, to, to be that brother, to be that friend, to be that sister, to be that family, that support that is just so needed. Um, man, I, I think I'm a better husband, a better father, and uh, a better follower of Christ and, and all these different ways because of relationships and because of the support from, from people in Acts 29. And so you're right. I mean, as much as you invest, that's what you'll return. Uh, if, if guys, you know, if you're not checking the emails, you're not responding, you're not getting on the town halls, you're not going to the cohorts, and you're not, you know, you're not encouraging your wife to go to the, the wife support stuff. Um, yeah, you, you may not think, you know, well, what's the benefits here? But really, as, as Jen just encouraged us, really get involved, uh, get connected, talk to your regional directors, talk to your area leaders, your cohort leader, and go all in, get, get invested, go, go all in. I just, we couldn't mm. encourage it anymore. Yes. Well, Jen, how we end every episode of the Acts 29 podcast is by asking three standard kind of essential questions that I think everybody wants, wants to know. Okay. A great book you've read recently that you recommend. I know you're a big reader and you're a writer as well. Uh, so I've, I plugged enough about me at the beginning. I'll plug it here too. It's a wonderful book. I loved endorsing it. It was, it was fun uh, to read that. Um, and also you got a new one coming out. So listeners go and check that out. But how about a great book that you've read recently you want to recommend? Yeah, I just read about a week ago or maybe two weeks ago, Finding My Father by Blair Lynn. And it was a nourishing and healing and excellent read. I think any believer um, would really, really benefit from it. Really good. Okay. Now, what's your go-to order in a coffee shop? I don't know if you're a big coffee drinker, uh, I'm so I'm, I'm eager to hear your answer here. I do love coffee and I always order a small latte with whole milk and two shots. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's a good ratio there. I like that. <laughs> and the and the whole milk that's going out at Starbucks now their default is two percent and so you're at, you're making if you're going to Starbucks you're you're pushing them there. Yeah, I don't mess around with anything else. It's got to be whole milk. <laughs> there you go. Okay, then then the best question out of all of them. What, what's your favorite verse in the Bible and why? Okay, this comes from First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. So I just derive great comfort knowing that I have a creator, that my life has an author and he does have authority over my life. He made me in a certain way. And that is to abide in him. As you said, Colossians one by him, for him, through him, to him. And, um, that's just a huge source of comfort to me. And I'm so grateful. Yeah, man. It's a great word. I, I love asking these questions because I just love to hear everyone's favorite verse and then their kind of spiritual commentary of why it's so meaningful to them. And so that's just a blessing for me to hear. So I'm grateful. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. What about you? Do you answer that question? You know, I've done it a couple times and it, it changes. I have two that I kind of default to. I, I feel like Galatians 2.20 is just a regular occurrence. I've been crucified with Christ and Songer, I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life and I'll live in this body. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's always the striking part who loved me and gave himself for me. I, I think that's the, I think it's the only occurrence in all of, all of Paul's writings where he personalizes the, the love of Christ for him. Cause we know he loves the church and we know that he loves the, the corporate body, his bride. And, we, and but here Paul says he loves me and gave himself for me. So that's always been really meaningful 
uh, to me and that participation in the crucifixion with Christ and the new life with him. Yeah. Mm. But um, also I feel like Psalm 121 is just constantly rumbling around in my head. Uh, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I just think about it all the time, how much I need help. And so I think the most frequent prayer in my life is just a three word prayer. Uh, Lord, help me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to this meeting. Lord, help me. I don't know what to do with this. Lord, help me uh, Lord, mm-hmm. my, with my child. Lord, help me. And, you know, the psalmist kind of buttresses that that prayer with he's qualified. He's the maker of heaven and earth. I, he, he meets the bill <laughs> like he has the qualities. He has the skills to help you. He made everything you see. He can handle your problem. He can help you. Uh, so I just find those always to be so encouraging. Yes. So good. I am encouraged. Thanks for sharing those. Well, Jen, thank you for coming on the podcast and listeners. I would encourage you to go check out Jen's books enough about me and cultural counterfeits. When does that come out? March, 2022. So a few months from now, there you go. March, 2022, go put it on your Amazon pre-order cultural counterfeits confronting five, confronting five empty promises of our age and how we are made for so much more. And Jen, if anybody wanted to keep up with you on social media writings or in your podcast, uh, where would you point them? Yeah, definitely. I'm on all the socials with just Jen Oshman and you can also go to jenoshman.com and I would love to stay in touch. Awesome. Well, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of the Acts 29 podcast. Uh, Please leave a review. Please share this with people that you think they would really love it and benefit from it. Share it with your staff team. Share it with your elders, your deacons, your pastor's wife. Uh, Share it with somebody in your life that you know is going through change and would just be encouraged by what Jen has shared today. And remember, brothers and sisters, let's keep planting churches into the ends of the earth.